The following episode is an open conversation on the topic of depression and anxiety. Only continue with this episode if you are prepared to experience a conversation outside of yourself and experience it from a different angle or perspective. All content shared today is intended to be an exercise to freely talk and is not intended to be professional advice. Only put stock in the thoughts in life that align with your self-investment goals. Hey, 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 beings, you are listening to the self Sweetie Podcast. I am Danny, your self-investment storyteller, which means I like to focus on content that explores our health, our well-being, and our mindset. And I like to speak with beings who contribute to our health, our well-being, our mindset with either their thoughts, their ideas, their services, their passions. And today I have a special guest on the show. I have Miss Naomi Harris. Naomi is a naturopath and a somatic sexuality coach that works with women who experiences sexual, vaginal, and pelvic pain and discomfort. And this is going to be a very unique show because I have a series running right now um, focused on both the root of depression and anxiety. And Naomi is going to share a little bit about her journey with anxiety with us today. Um, But before we get into the conversation, Naomi, I just want to give you an opportunity to tell tell your story, who you are in your own words, instead of someone just reading off um, some bios. Thank you so much, Danny. It's so awesome to be here. I'm really excited for this conversation. Um, so I was sparked to reach out to you about coming on the podcast because of this conversation about mental health that I know that you're having. And the work that I do is so, um, it's about sexuality and it's about sex and it's about sexual expression. But there's so much to do with mental health that's involved in that. And then I also have my own history and story of mostly anxiety for me has been my um, mental health uh, challenges. So I'm really super happy to talk to that as well and discuss the way that that intertwines with sexuality because that was the big turning point for me in, in my healing. Awesome. So, so let's start with anxiety and I would love for you to share with us where you were able to detect that you were experiencing anxiety. How did that start to unfold for you? Sure. You know, I think I was a bit of a late bloomer. I think I've had anxiety probably most of my life. In fact, looking back, looking back at the photos of me as like this cute little two-year-old with blonde curls and like this, this kind of look of terror in my eyes that I never, and I was like, oh, it had already started. And then as a kid, I, my coping mechanism personally was books. So I just ran away from the world and I was never found without a book in my hand any hour of the day or night that I could read, I was reading because it wasn't like reality. And then I didn't have to deal with the anxiety and the feelings And that kind of continued to grow and it manifested mostly as social anxiety. So I pretty much lived as a hermit until like my early 30s. So home alone most of the time, still lots of books, even as an adult, sci-fi and fantasy was my jam because there's no better escape than other planets. And um, and then I think my big wake up for anxiety was the first moment that I didn't have it. And I was like, oh, that's what life could look like. And then, of course, it all came flooding back. And then I had like the gradual unfolding. But I think I had to experience life without in order to realize what I was living with. That's so interesting. I love that you pointed that out because 
there's a moment where you're experiencing something and you get used to it and you think that's mm-hmm. the, the norm. And then when it's absent, it's like, wait, what is this feeling? Mm-hmm. And so with that absence of anxiety, why do you think it happened to dismiss itself? Do you think it was anything intentionally or anything around your sense around your life that caused it? Or do you think it just happened to just go away? No, it was a, it was a really like, it was a moment. So I think one of the things that I am quite good at is I'm good at putting myself in positions where there are people around me that are mirroring a better way to be. So I'm like, I subconsciously am always seeking out people that are kind of living the next step up in life that I'm like, yes, I want to give that a go, even though I'm not aware that that's what I'm doing. And at the time I was living in this small community, um, in rural Victoria and Melbourne in Australia, everybody was going to these sexuality workshops run by this one particular person, like for years. And I was all just like, hell no, I'm not setting foot. I'm not talking about sex. I'm not like, and then there's the group and then there's this woman. And it was just like, it took me years. And then I finally went like years later, I finally went. So the, the other way that my anxiety and kind of control and coping really manifested for me was also disordered eating. And I was binge eating and restricting. That was kind of my deal. So I go to this workshop and it's terrifying, but I'm like holding it all together. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I was told afterwards, I kind of look like deer in the headlights with the big eyes and the terror on my face. And then the second day in, we had this moment in the workshop where we did this one particular practice And it was a sexuality-based practice, but it was like I was myself under a blanket, so there was no no one else involved. It was just me. And I did the practice, and it was the first moment that I went, oh, I don't feel like a desperate need to go and eat something. And then I could kind of, yeah, right? And that was exactly my response. Hmm, interesting. (laughs) (laughs) It lasted like half an hour. It was like half an hour of freedom. And then, you know life came on came back and that was all fine but I was like oh right so for me it was like that connection of um, my body and my sexuality and my mind all coming together in like this perfect moment and I went oh okay interesting yeah so when you mentioned that you were thinking about going to the experience it was almost like you were set back like you're not going to Mm-hmm. open about your sexuality do you remember like what your thought process was when you started to open up to that experience and kind of shifted from like oh I'm not going to do that to like okay let me embrace this experience I think for me what was great about it was this particular um work that I found that I since have trained in and this is what I support women with because it was like I was like yeah I need to know this and now I need to share it and I think the thing about it that really got me was it's a solo practice so there was like no pressure for me to perform for anybody else which was like what are my anxiety triggers right oh my god what are they thinking of me am I doing you know all that story so like I could just be I could totally just be myself and I was literally and metaphorically under a blanket you know like I could hide as much as I needed to I could go as slow as I needed to and I think the really really important thing is is that it was body-based so I tried a whole lot of talk therapies I tried a bunch of different things but the thing that really works for me is working through my stuff through my body and like helping my body release what it's holding so my nervous system can relax and then I can think a little bit more clearly about what's actually going on 
So I think because this sexuality practice is a body-based one, it was like the perfect one that I needed right then. That's awesome. You, you said something that stood out to me and you said that you could be yourself. Mm -hmm. and this is a really, really interesting topic swirling around in my life right now because mm -hmm. the idea of being yourself is just so undefined and it's very unique from person to person. Yeah. And so how would you describe what it means to be yourself? Oh, yeah. Good question. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I like it. How would I define what it is to be myself? Okay. So I don't really have like a concise answer for you to walk away no, no, with. Go like, ahead, go ahead, go I can't, ahead. I can't like come down from the mountain and give you all yeah. of this stuff. This is the thing, and this is, um, and I work with, with the women that I work with, this is one of the things that we unpack because it's really important, anything to do with sexuality, our bodies, our genitals, pain, like anything, actually, to be honest with you, any of us to do with just being alive, is we're literally educated from the minute that we're born how to be a person, you know, and a lot of it is done for our own good, right, because we have people around us that are actively keeping us alive and then actively showing us what it is to be a functioning, healthy, possibly healthy, upstanding member of the society that we're born into. So we're shown what those like steps are to be that person. But nobody ever goes, but is that right for you? Like, does that actually work with you, you are and your personality and what you're here to do and what you need in your world? And so we're kind of formed into these beings and the pressures that come to form us are so intense. I think a lot of us don't actually even realise that a lot of what we believe and a lot of what we think and a lot of what we know to be true is actually just educated by somebody else. Like it's, it's like I think, I believe our true nature is like some wild creature, like we are a lion in Africa, right? And somebody has tamed us into a house cat. Because it's easier to have a bunch of house cats around, they might still squabble and fight a little bit more, but they're less likely to rip your throat out if they get annoyed. So as a society, house cats are useful, but I think and I feel and I know for myself inside of us, like there is a lion that's a lioness that's trying to get out. And so who I am and the true nature, and I think for all of us, our true nature is actually working out who we are underneath and getting in touch slowly, slowly with that wild part of ourselves. And for all of us, again, that looks different because we're not all throat ripper outers. In fact, most of us probably are like on a true fundamental level. Some of us are probably tree huggers and some of us are probably curl up in the dirt and, you know, get all the fleas off. And like, it doesn't have to be an aggressive thing to be a wild animal. It's actually a beautiful thing of balance and interaction. But how do we know if we've never tasted it? Because we're so busy being good members of society, especially as women and females, because like most of us have been trained to be nice and good and helpful and useful and well-behaved and, you know, all those things. Like underneath all of that, who is that? That's, I think, the thing. So you would say that you're more of a wild Beast. Yes, I would definitely. You know, I think I would actually phrase it. I'm a wild beast in the making, or maybe a wild beast in the uncovering, okay. because I've I'm I'm entering into my wild beasthood by being a very very good girl and very well behaved and very much a people pleaser and you know 
all of those things. So it's a little bit of a long and winding road, but that's the direction that I'm moving towards. Yeah. I would probably say that I'm probably on a tree hugging side. Yeah. And that's just because of that exploration of who I am. Like, I know that I can, I think being yourself, like you can feel it. Like there's not a lot of resistance. Yeah. And there's, there's a certain amount of freedom there. And mm-hmm. so you mentioned a lot of good points about, you know, being educated to be these people, yeah. these people who are needed and in order. And I feel like as, as people in this world, we try to create a society with good intentions mm-hmm. to have like these rules and these structures. Um, but with that guidance and that creation, there's also been this, this disconnect. And I think the disconnect is kind of related to why people are either depressed or an- anxious yeah. Um, because it's not truly who they are. They're, they're in these forms every day, like trying to please people or trying to make sure that they will follow these laws and they, and they do things that people think is, is orderly. Maybe it's not really who they are and they're just trying to connect. And so yeah. that's what I'm hearing from you right yeah. now is that mm-hmm. like when you describe that and I've also aligned with that same concept that we're living in this world and there's all this order and this has been educated as you create it. And to a certain degree, I think it was meant to be good and it still could be good. But yeah. we also have to align with these other parts of us. Like being a wild beast doesn't have to be crazy or chaotic or destructive to everyone else. So like with you being a wild beast, this could be defined differently from people outside of you. Their perspective mm-hmm. of you being a wild beast could be chaotic or, you know, not good for humanity. Mm-hmm. Where can we find value in wild beasts being a society? Yeah. And that's the tricky bit. I think, because, I mean, if we think like we're all fundamentally programmed for survival, like that's one of the things we're here to do is actually just survive. And part of survival is to be part of a community and a group and a clan because there's safety in numbers. You know, when we used to be the living, I don't know, out on the savannah and things were coming at us in the night, there was a safety in numbers that kept us alive. And in order to have a place in that group, we had to behave in certain ways so that we were welcome and we didn't get kicked out because if we got kicked out, that's where potential death lay. So, like, I think this, this thing that we have that drives us to follow the status quo and to not push too hard and to not question too much and to always find, like, the tribe, you know, the punks always hang out with the other punks, that kind of thing, you know. Um, is it's like it's in our DNA. It's a survival trait. So then if we unpack all of these things that we've been taught to believe about ourselves, if we unpack this domesticated person that we are and we go, well, I'm going to try on just a little bit of wildness right now, there's a chance and it's a really pretty strong chance based on my own observation of my life and, you know, other people's lives that, the ripples and the shakeup of that makes people around us very, very uncomfortable. And then there's a fear of that, right? Because then the survival aspect kicks in like, but what if, what if the tribe doesn't want me anymore? Then what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And then we go off and we find our new tribe. And, but that can also take a bit of time. But breaking up with the old tribe can be really hard too. And like there's this, it's like this tension. It can really, really magnify the more we step into asking the question, this thought that I'm thinking or this action that I'm doing, I'm doing it, but is it actually the right and true thing for me to be doing? And if it's not the right and true thing for me to be doing, 
what is it that I should be doing instead? And that really, really does create ripples, but it's worth it. That's the other thing that I would say. It's really worth it. Yeah. I think earlier you mentioned the balance and I've been thinking about like everyone being themselves and being true to their nature and how complicated that could be because Mm -hmm. even the person that's true to their nature is the person who's evil right? Yeah. The person who's, who's doing harm to other people, maybe snatching off, you know, the head of others because that's who they are. Mm-hmm. And even the person who are, are liars or people who are deceitful, like even though it's through deceit, like that's who they are. They're a person who wants to be deceitful mm-hmm. um, or who wants to act that way. Like, I feel like we're always being who we are. And so then there's this trajectory, like finding out who we are at our core and then seeing if, because we have these human gifts, um, we're a lot different than animals to mm-hmm. use that to our advantage and try to improve on that mm-hmm. aspect of ourselves. Like this is who I am at my bare self, maybe because of this intellect and because of this power of the mind, I can create a different version of myself. And I feel like that might also be okay, but I have to still have that root of myself and know who I am. Yeah. Uh, in order to do that. And I think that's when we spoke to it earlier, that education mm-hmm. or maybe that mother and a father and like they hint to their childhood when it comes to some of the trauma they might be experiencing in their adulthood. And that's where it starts. The the taming, yeah. um, yep. the education of self, and then just yep. the observation of how to be humans. And so if you're not being the best humans as a mom or a dad at that point, then that's a, is a disservice to that, that being who comes yeah. in and, and is looking at all of these things and then just taking what they know and trying to get there but that journey of like being able to really connect with who you are I think from your story when I'm hearing like it's very interesting how sexuality comes into play Mm -hmm. sex sex when you hear sex 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 it's like ah sex you know you can't Mm -hmm. say sex and like it's it's this thing that's very powerful yes and sometimes when I'm looking out in the world and I and I hear that there's people like totally against it or totally for it. Like I try mm-hmm. to look at the center and look at both sides. Like, why are they so against it? Mm-hmm. Like, is it because there's something hidden there? And I've, I've heard these conversations um, centered around sexuality, especially um, with women. And I wonder like, is there a hidden gem there that is misunderstood? You know, yeah. like if a woman is very sexual, her walk in life, mm-hmm. you know, she could be tagged certain way based mm-hmm. on the rules and the structures that we create in a society. Um, yeah. But now it seems like there's a lot more freedom there, Mm -hmm. sexuality. Um, And so I want to dig back into that conversation, but still bring it back to anxiety. Mm -hmm. When you describe your anxious experience, has it been like very traumatic or has it just been just something that you lived with Mm -hmm. or has it been something that is stifling you? Yeah. Um, because you said that you had that one experience, but then you also still kind of manage anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, is any of the management related to your practices with sexuality? Mm-hmm. And does it really help that it's not completely gone? Like, how do you view the fact that mm-hmm. you just have mm-hmm. to manage it and it's not gone? Yeah. Okay. So... I know so, I said a lot. I hope it. Yeah, yeah, no, there's so much. It's like, oh, maybe she'll give me that. Some one of them for now. Yeah. I know. I, like, wait, did I even get a question out? Yeah, no, no, it's good. <laughs> no, it's good. And it is actually a really, really good question. Like, you just asked an excellent question because, all right. 
So I work with people who are managing conditions and their symptoms can be like debilitating to the point of ruling their lives. And there's always this hope of complete turnaround of the symptoms. But sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes you can get 80% well and then 20% management. Sometimes 100% well is possible. And then it's like, oh, hallelujah, it's amazing. But it's not always possible because health is so, it's got so many kind of like entry points for the bits that are in, in influencing or impacting health. And I think anxiety and other mental health conditions are the same. Like I consider for myself, that I'm probably at about, compared to what I was, I'm probably, I'm actually probably one of those 80%, 20% people. 80% of the time, absolutely fantastic. 20% of the time, I'm like, oh, today's going to be a really interesting day. We're going to have to deal with, we're going to have to manage this. But I kind of don't have, I don't have a real problem with that. And the reason that I don't have a real problem with it is because that 20% of the time is actually really good information for me. So I have done work, you know, a couple of decades now of work to work out my anxiety triggers, to work out, to sort out my nervous system, to do all the things. And now when I have an anxiety response to something or like like a triggered nervous system response, I just treat it as an invitation to go, oh, wait, what? Oh, that conversation I just had with that person where I absolutely didn't say what I should have said. And I was just like, "Mm -hmm, okay, yeah, sure. And I took their stuff. That wasn't the right thing for me to do. So now I either need to accept that or I need to do take some steps and put that situation right or whatever it is, whatever it looks like, or that person that I just had sex with, what was I thinking? Like, you know, or whatever it is that it looks like for me that is triggering that anxiety. And sometimes it can take me 24 or 48 hours to go, are you going to stop and actually just pay attention and work out what this is? Um, And then I do. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness I did. So I don't know. I have a slightly different concept of healing than like the perfect outcome, because I also think that our symptoms are here to teach us something and they're here to show us something. They're a bit of a gift, you know, like even our darkest, hardest days, there's medicine in there if we're willing to go, what's going on? Like what's actually going on for me? And it, it like, it comes back to that domesticated thing. Like my anxiety will only flare up if I try to act like the person that I've been told I need to be. If I'm willing to be the person that I, that I believe myself that I am, like underneath all that, I might feel a bit uncomfortable or I might go, oh, okay, that was challenging and edgy, but it's a different, like, there's a different response than that full-on anxiety. I need to go and hide in my cave again and not speak to anybody and I need to read a fantasy novel or, you know, whatever it is that the response is. And I think learning to read what it is that's actually happening is also really important. Is this like, is this an anxiety flare-up? Am I having a panic attack or am I actually just feeling a little bit uncomfortable because I actually did the thing that I wanted to do and it's edgy and it's like taking me to the next level, but it's not a, I need to crawl away and hide and feel like an anxious creature for a while. Like learning to differentiate between those two is also for me really important as well. Wow. What a great answer. (laughs) 
I'm sitting here and I'm learning um, just a little bit about myself through your your speech and that discomfort that you describe is absolutely I can relate with it because it is a difference between the discomfort of like trying to be who you've been taught to be and the discomfort of reaching out and being what feels more aligned with you yeah yeah I think that's an interesting journey to go on because it's like I would want to reach out and see um, what's more aligned with me and sometimes it could be that this is why when you when you said they're wild bees I, I start to learn that I'm more of a tree hugger yeah um, because the things that's uncomfortable to me is just like the discord that we have in the world like the mm-hmm. fact that we have so much chaos in the world like yeah. that doesn't feel comfortable because that's not me you know like I'm able to identify like it's okay that I want to be you know very positive all the time and a tree hugger because we need to have some people like that and we also need to have people who are very very corporate in nature you know yeah. like we have to have the wild bees I think that I'm understanding that about the world is that we need to have everyone be exactly what they were created to be in order for us to optimize this experience here on earth yeah. um, and, and pretty much get to the answers. And when you mentioned like that 20%, 80%, like that 80% of healing and 20%, I always kind of dig that to like, what if the world was really peaceful and calm and we didn't have all these things like limiting, it, limiting us or trying to teach us to be um would it be a place that we would maintain? Like, could we mm-hmm. maintain peace if we absolutely yeah. wanted peace? Could we maintain mm-hmm. it or do we absolutely love drama and chaos? Like, is that something that is us? You know, when you say like, how do you know who you are? Are some people just attracted to chaos and drama and is always going to be like this because you have that amount of people who are okay with it, you know? It's, that is a really hard question. And I do actually think about that as well. Like, what actually is human nature? And are there people that, I mean, you know, I like to think about domestication and being taught to be who you are. And are there people who genuinely are willing in their fundamental true nature to cause harm to other people? And that's actually their true nature, right? Or, you know, and it's, I actually don't know what the answer is. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I had um, I had an amazing experience a, a couple of times. I went to South Africa, and there's a wilderness park called the Infolozi um, Nature Reserve, and it's kind of like the last untouched area. And they're trying really, really hard to keep the poachers out and to keep it untouched. And there's an amazing school called the Wilderness Leadership School there that they take you on walking into the bush safaris with a pack on your back, no tents. You sleep out in the open with a sleeping bag with these two amazing guides, ours were Zulu um, guides, they were just beautiful men, keeping you safe. You take it in turns with the fire at night, like stoking the fire and using the torch so that you can see the big cat's eyes because it's like the big five live there. It's, It's dangerous and you know what I was saying to you about getting thrown out of the tribe like it's real there if they kick you off the rock you you wouldn't survive the night and I remember sitting on this rock ledge looking over this um dry river bank because it was um winter it was the dry season and it was the evening and there was a small amount of water so all of the animals came down and I mean everybody came down there were predators and there were prey of all different species And they all came down at various times at various points on the riverbank. 
And there was like these moments of peace amongst them. But there was also this awareness of like watching, for example, the Impala, right? Who were very tasty morsels from what we could see. Like those guys were like fair game. There wasn't like this relaxation and there wasn't complacency, but they were fully in the moment. They were drinking the water. They were doing their thing with this full awareness of the life around them. And then the moment that something around them switched to beast mode, like I'm going to eat something mode, they knew it. Like they could feel it in the in the air, in the field, like the energy that connects all of the things. And then there was a different behavior that happened. And then as soon as that, like, I'm going to eat something, energy left, everybody relaxed again and went back to what they were doing. So there was like, it wasn't, it's not like peace. It's not like peaceful in the way that us humans understand peace, which is like no drama, no killing, no violence, nothing. But it was like real and it was in the moment and then everything went back to normal. And it was like a really different energy that's hard to explain. And I don't know what happens there. But what I suspect happens is if there is a, for example, a lion or a hyena in the tribe that shows the tendencies to have an enjoyment of harm and killing that's beyond what the tribe feels is like the natural order of things, I don't think that the tribe supports the life of that creature. I don't think the tribe allows that creature in, which is tricky for us humans because we're about inclusivity. We're about everybody being in here. But what do we do if somebody's fundamental nature is harm? Yeah. And I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer to that. I mean, I'm starting to get some answers from your story. And while well, going back to that, that feeling that you have that when you're anxious, teaching you something, it's almost mm-hmm. like when you saw that there was a change in behavior because something is, there's an awareness. Anxiety to me, I think can be a very good thing. Just have to have a healthy level of it so you can function, but the the heightened awareness, like teaching yourself through that feeling, that discomfort is like, hey, I should have said something about that. Why didn't Mm -hmm. I? It's like, Mm -hmm. because you haven't been attentive to yourself, you need something inside of you to give you an alarm clock to yeah. teach yourself because before we're being taught by other people outside of ourselves you know yeah. they're teaching us but I think indications like the anxiety is like our our internal self being able to teach us and this is which is why I like the the conversation about sexuality and anxiety because you talk about the body mm-hmm. and I feel like the body does have a lot of answers for for us like our body tells us when we're in pain, our body tells us when we need to eat more vitamin C or we need yep. to get more sunlight, our body yep. gives us clear answers. And so the answers is that we have to pay attention, you know, yeah. in order for us to benefit from it. Um, and so that's what I'm, I'm kind of taking from that. I want to now dig into this practice of somatic sexuality. sexuality. Yes. I want to be honest, I've never heard of it. Nope. And so I want to give you this opportunities to share with everyone I'm pretty sure someone else has heard out heard of it and listening I'm just like I've been in my own world I'm learning things all all the time kind of share what that means to you um and what it means to the people that you coach yeah of course very happy to so the word somatic means body-based so it means like grounded in the body and and really it's about supporting healing of sexuality, sensuality, specific conditions, or just a desire for more pleasure and for more turn on and arousal and like um, comfortable, more comfortable in sexuality and sensuality. And it's about actually using the body 
to heal or to transform into that in that way. So it's moving away from talk therapy into the body. And the reason that I'm passionate about it, so there's practices that we do. And we can say that there's a lot of somatic practices out there, like things like Qigong and Tai Chi or any of the moving meditations, any of the touch-based healing as well. Healthy touch-based healing is like somatic therapy of some sort as well. And one of the reasons that I'm really deeply passionate about it and that I love to work in this way is that we don't need to relive trauma and we don't need to relive the causative factors, the reasons behind where we've wound up when we support healing through the body. Like our understanding is, is that, the, I mean, it's kind of science these days. It used to be, you know, I've been a naturopath for 15 years and we kind of used to be like this fringe where we're going, yes, but you need to like listen to your body. And now it's just like, yeah, science shows this. Um, but there's this understanding that our body, our nervous system, our cells actually hold, they hold memory. They hold memory in a really tangible, energetic way. And they also hold memory in the way that they interact, like the cells and the muscles and the tissues interact with each other. And that actually by working with the body, and supporting the body, we can release all of that that we're holding, which clears the way, it clears those levels of domestication without even realizing that's what we're doing. It clears the way back to who we really are underneath, but without re-triggering anything or without having to go into the reasons why. And if anybody listening, or if you haven't come across like somatics before, if you haven't even like considered it as a, like your body as a tool for your own healing, really amazing with mental health, anxiety, depression, all of that. Like the body is, it's like the medicine is here. It's like in us. And a really beautiful, simple way to start is to simply rest one hand on your heart and one hand on your belly and just breathe for a while with your own body with no agenda. And that's kind of important, like not forcing anything. You're just simply breathing and being with yourself, depending on where you're at can actually be enough. And, you know, it can actually take a little while to get there as well. It can be quite a lot. Start, you know, without sounding too woo-woo, but it's like this is home. Like this is actually the home. This is our home. And to actually start coming back here. And it can be as simple and as complicated as we want it to be as well. You know, like we think, oh, sexual healing and healing sexuality and we need a master and we need someone to show us. And actually, we just need to breathe with our bodies and start listening. You know, you don't need a guru. You just need like this body, which is really like the wisdom, the oracle, the guru of your life, if you listen. So excited about what you just said. So very, very excited because I do feel like we have the answers to our healing. Like, and and it's nice that we have coaches and gurus to, to help mm -hmm. guide us because, we're you know, we're in a family here. Uh but you mentioned two things. You mentioned that, you know, you can have, you can experience this healing without even getting the reasons why you had the trauma, which is, yeah. we got to talk about that for a little bit. Yeah. And then the other part was that you can make it as simple, as complicated as you want. And I think we really need to sit there for a little bit because as I observe the world and it could just be in my world and everything that's been fed to me, um, social media wise, or just around me in my, in my zone. But a lot of people are attaching to a lot of the mental illnesses. One could be yeah. because we're exposed to it more. We have definitions for it and we're aligned with it. Yeah. And there also can be other reasons. And it seems like, and this is just a theory because I don't know everyone's journey, but it seems like we are 
given up the power that we have to heal ourselves with these things. And I know that there are extreme cases, but when I think about, you know, just a person who's just been domesticated and that's really what it's stemming from, like, it's like, okay, they, they find out that they have depression and anxiety and it's almost like crippling instead of like, let me use this as a tool to like, you know, tap into my greatness and my power because this is not something I want to be defined as someone who's in, who has anxiety or who has depression. Like this is an experience and I can be taught something through this experience and I can make this as easy as or complicated. And I am on the route of like, I have no problem making things easier <laughs> like <laughs> I don't want to complicate it like and mm-hmm. sometimes that looks different to other people like there there has to be all this 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 uh re- all these reasons exposed all these different tools and experiences and it's like if I ever since ever since I was a young person um I could see something that was bad and say like and I could just calculate it in my head that mm-hmm. I don't need to do that because look at the outcome here like I could just see it without having to experience it and then there's you know how we're all different because we have wild beasts and tree huggers but we have all different experiences. <laughs> some people are like I, I didn't really get it until I actually experienced it myself and then that's when I went through all of this and it's like but then I look at that story it's like well that's a lot of heartache that you signed up for and then you you come back and say like I, I heal from all this heartache, but like, do we realize that we can like not have that initially, or do we want to have the heartache story? What do you think? <laughs> okay, you just said, oh my goodness, you just said so many things, and then there's the heartache story. I think you know. So my personal belief is we're here to learn something. Personally, I it's not enough to just be alive. There's got to be a reason. And yes, the continuation of the honor of the species is a great reason to be alive, but it's not enough. It's actually not enough for me. I'm kind of one of those questers as well. You sound like a quester too. It's like, yeah. I want to get the marrow out of the bones of life and understand <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> and so for me, I'm like, I don't think it's enough to have an easy life, mm. but that doesn't mean that life has to be hard. I think there's a way that we can be even with the things that are really, really hard. That means that they don't take us out and that they're actually opportunities for us to become more of who we are and more of whatever it is that we're here to be. You know, you like you hear about it often, like people who go through scenarios of just horror that I can't even comprehend how you walk out of the other side of that sane. And they not only work out, walk out sane, but they actually walk out and go, wouldn't want to wish it on anybody else, but I'm really glad it happened to me because look at me now, like this is who I am now and I've grown from it. And I get that, like I understand that. And I think one of the really important things in in getting to that point is, like you said something about how, you know, we kind of grasp onto labels. Like I am a person with anxiety. I have anxiety. And then that becomes a defining feature. But the problem with that is it doesn't allow us to be like this fluid human that is having an experience that's going to have impacts and outcomes, but may only just be the experience for now. And then it's going to change because one thing that we all know is true is that life will not stay the same. It just can't. It just doesn't moment to moment. And so grasping onto that label and gripping onto that label, first of all, it gives all of our power to the label and it removes us, removes it from ourselves, but it just doesn't let us grow and it doesn't let us like really suck the marrow out of the experience and work out why why am I having this? 
What am I supposed to be? Who am I supposed to be in this? Like me, like really me. What is my true authentic response in this moment? And can I give it? And if I can't, what can I give myself instead? Because we can't always, because, you know, that's just how it is. But, you know, my teacher, my somatic, the the woman that I started studying, Dr. Saida Desiree, I started studying the somatic sexuality piece with, and now I've trained in her method and I, and I work in her method. And, you know, one of the first things she said to me was, what happened? What would happen if you woke up every morning and you asked yourself, what would my true nature have me do today? And you just notice oh, my true nature doesn't want me sitting at a desk job for the next nine hours entering data into a spreadsheet. It wants me to take off all of my clothes and go running and hug a trick. Okay, but I have a job that I'm going to go to. So what can I do? Oh, in my break, I can go out and I can smell a rose. So at least I get a little bit of the tree. Maybe not for the eight hours that I'm craving, but I get like a taste of it. And like actually finding ways to go, well, I am this person in this kind of weird society that we're all just trying to work out who we are in. And I'm trying to work out who I am if I'm not defining myself by the labels that have been put on me and that I'm putting on myself. And maybe it'll just start. I'll just smell a rose just for today. I'm just going to smell a rose and see what happens tomorrow. And then like, it's a good place to start. Like, what could it look like? Yeah. Mm. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so usually I play a game, um, in the beginning of the podcast, but I wanted to keep this, um, mm-hmm. closer to the end. Um, this game is called Thought ER, and the way that we play is that I have random sentences that I found online, uh, unpopular opinions for some, maybe not for others, and, um, just thoughts. So I'm just a collector of thoughts and <laughs> want people to, you know, I want to see how people respond to them in a thought ER. So the thought is, you know, our, our, our thoughts, our original thought without, I guess, any practice. That's why mm-hmm. you, no one knows what my, um, what my synthesis are. And then the ER is like the emergency room. So like, mm-hmm. because sometimes there are thoughts that come that might be against something that we believe or our opinion, um, I want us to kind of practice like how do we respond to them um, and kind of just take notice like you mentioned earlier it's just taking notice of how we respond and see nice. if there's anything that um, we can learn from them or you know adjust our our passion like sometimes it's just like you know giving more more fire behind like why my truth is truth you know you kind of mm-hmm. see a different perspective when you see it but I don't know if this is going to do anything like that for you but I'm just going to share see. <laughs> happy to try <laughs> And then, so um, I, uh, this is my little indicator that you are only 10 seconds left okay. time for it, but I'm just going to say it. And then for, I usually do 60 seconds, but I have five questions this time. Um, and so we'll do 40 seconds. Okay. Um, Let's do five. it. All right. So question one, contraception doesn't empower women. 40 seconds on the clock. How do you respond? It comes down again to this whole thing about, are we doing what we really want to be doing? Like what's actually fundamentally deeply true for ourselves? Or are we doing the thing that we're told that we should be doing? Every one of us has a different story. Every one of us has a different life path. Every one of us has a different relationship with our bodies. Contraception is fundamentally 100% a woman's choice. And the only thing, like the only thing that matters is that she asks herself, is this right for me? That's it. All right, good. In time too. <laughs> All right, next one. 
We are constantly bombarded by porn, which has transformed our view of sex from a loving union between two people. 40 seconds on the clock, how do you respond? Sex isn't just about a loving union between two people. Sex can be anything. It's, it's like the same answer to the last question. The problem with porn is that it's giving us like, I mean, it's not only one way of being, but it's giving us like this mechanical, functional experience of sex. And most of us are desperately crying out for more than that. Like there's a sense, whether we're like fully aware of it or not, that penis in vagina or vagina, like whatever our experience of sex is, it's not enough. Like sex is more than that. Like it's fundamental on a cellular level. Sex is so much about why we're here as humans. And porn has missed the boat with that and it can't provide that. So it's a bad learning tool and it's also not giving us what we want anyway all right next one the sexual revolution was a mistake okay the sexual revolution was not a mistake (laughs) but again it's like swings and roundabouts right the sexual revolution has swung so far that women and likely men and whatever your um, gender definement is are being shamed for not being overtly sexual like now covering up and not being like having sex with anybody who wants you to is like seen as the wrong thing to be doing. So again, it comes down to the same thing. Is this actually the thing that I want to be doing? Is this the right thing for me to be doing regardless of what anybody else says? All right. Next one. A lack of sex can be harmful, causing your self-worth and confidence to plummet. 40 seconds on the clock. How do you respond? We need to redefine what sex is. That's the most important thing. And Sex with yourself is just as important, if not more important, actually more important, 100% than sex with anybody else. Like we are sexual beings. We are here as sexual beings. It's who we are. It's what created us. It's the creation potential in our bodies, not just to make babies, but like to create life. And that can look like something as simple as what I said before, a hand on a heart and a hand on a belly breathing and if you're deeply and truly connected with your own body that can be a sexual act in itself nice last one sexual liberation is an invite to diseases to diseases yeah the diseases question is a really hard one and i don't have 40 seconds on the disease (laughs) the disease is quite like it's genuinely so hard and i grapple with it myself i don't know what your relationship with the diseases thing is but it's really it's not the sexual liberation thing it's it's a huge question about honesty conversation about honesty and self-maintenance and care and respect for the people that you're with and it can't just be don't have sex or you're going to get diseases that's not an answer we've got to work out a better way to talk about this all right. Well, you did an awesome job with the impromptu. <laughs> they were uh, really hard. You just, I don't know, they're usually that hard, but wow, that was difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if they were going to work, but no. like, <laughs> they work. Um, and uh, you were, you, I, we're almost at the end. I'll probably have to have you back on for uh, sure. deeper conversation on this. Yeah, yeah. but um probably about that sex with yourself because yeah. you said sex with yourself and I think that could be interpreted different ways but when you mentioned it you also said even if it's a breath and yeah. a, a hand to your heart and that's the sexual experience not yeah. that you have to like masturbate with yourself or anything like that is that am I yeah. understanding that correctly you know we're so focused on 
sex is like this peak experience. Even sex with myself, there is like I'm goal oriented. I am here for the orgasm or here for like whatever it is that I'm here to get. When sex can actually just be a process of being here with no expectation of outcome and no demand for outcome and just going, I'm just going to see what happens. And wow, that was fun. (laughs) Or, oh, that was weird. Or whatever, like the outcome of that. (laughs) And and it takes the pressure off. It takes the pressure off sex with self, takes the pressure off sex with others. And yeah, we should probably talk some more about like such a big conversation. But yeah, Yeah. like lighten up. Don't worry about the outcome and just be. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, see, I'm trying to like rein it in. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, because I have questions like, uh, I got to write them down and have you back on because um, I'll just say this one thing. So with um, the, like when I think about life and the orgasms in life that you can create in that sexual experience, like I know like most people like take that as like, you know, the body and, and having that, that, you know, masturbation and things like that, but I'm really holding on to that breathing and holding on to your heart and just finding things that make you feel like that orgasmic feeling. Um, I think they, they substitute as well, or, or they, or they're not, maybe not substitute, but there, there are some people who resonate with that, like, just like having great conversations or just having good experiences are like, it's doing something for your body, not necessarily that you have to, you know, I don't know. This is just my, my little thought, but we have to come back. Um, and, and okay. Can I say one tiny thing just to wrap that all up? It's yeah, like yeah, go. Up. Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> and it's just this, like, if you think about the word sensuality and you think about that you're a sensual being, you have five senses. Like we have all of these senses. That's all it's saying. It's saying, get in touch with your senses. What nice. are they, like, what are they giving you? That's it. And it's all about the body. <laughs> that is nice. Go So go over the five senses and like an example for one. I mean, instead of going for peak orgasm, what would happen if you actually just played with the back of your ear just for a few minutes and just notice what happened for touch? And for sight, like what happens if you breathe into your body and then you open your eyes and you truly look at the thing that you're looking at and notice the way that it impacts you? And the same thing with smell and the same thing with taste. I mean, taste can be extraordinary like get something like a blueberry in summer take a minute to be in your body and then put it on your tongue and let it explode and like notice what happens like with all of the senses yeah, and yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to have you back on we're gonna go into it um <laughs> but before we close out there are two things that I would love for you to share and mm-hmm. uh, one would be the self-tivity statement um, yeah. For those who are listening for the first time, self-tivity statement is just a word that I created, very similar to, you know, what we already know. There's nothing on the other side, of course. Um, there's the affirmation plus the behavior that supports your affirmation in one sentence. So, like, you have um, your, your primary goal and then your support sentence should be action-based. And so mm-hmm. I like for people to share, like, a self-tivity that they have for their day, for their life. Um, for their passion or however they want to um, but to share it with me and the listeners so Naomi what is your self-tivity statement my statement is I am a flawed human being and every day I'm trying to do the best I can that's it absolutely has to be my favorite so far 
Nice one. Mm-hmm. Look at Whatever that. Whatever it looks like. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. I'm digging that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Takes the pressure off. It's exactly. And that, and that right. causes yeah. the anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> the that's it. Yeah. So if you at the beginning, you definitely can loosen up. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I love it. So Naomi, I'm pretty sure there are people who would want to connect with you after this conversation. Um, it was just such a wealth of information. Um, the stories that you shared and mm-hmm. just your perspective, um, I really found value. Um, and so there was a return on the investment of the time that I spent with mm-hmm. you. I like to say that because I invest my time yeah. in things that are intentional. And, uh, and I also like to look at what I've learned and I've learned a lot. Um, and so for those who also have found value in this experience, listening to you, um, I love for them to have an opportunity to connect. So if you could just share how people can connect with you, any of your websites or social media. Um, firstly, thank you, Danny. I, I really enjoyed this as well. Beautiful conversation. So nice. And you challenged me. I really enjoyed the um, thinking, getting my thoughts clear so I can articulate them. It was really great. Um, so the easiest ways to find me, I have a private Facebook group called Transforming Pelvic Pain Through Pleasure. And even though it does have pelvic pain in the title, we actually are just looking at better experiences of sexuality and sensuality and being in these bodies. I don't know when, what date you're planning on releasing this, but I'm launching a new website that's going to be called uh, at thepleasurenaturopath.com or I have naomiharris.com.au as well perfect perfect and that is the end of today's wonderful episode I I'm just happy it was a very very good conversation thank you I look forward to connecting with you again and going into a lot more conversation sexy sexy places sexy sexy Let's get sexy. Uh, you know, it's so funny because I, I grew up like really like literally <laughs> like, like I'm probably like a little bit boxed in uh, when it comes mm-hmm. to that. Like that's the awe, but it's like me and my friend, we used to know that we came off as like good girls. Uh-huh. We were like, we don't want to be cute anymore. We want to be sexy. <laughs> we would just like stand around in our room. <laughs> and even that alone felt liberating just to say we mm-hmm. want to be sexy, but we never really like just activated into this sexy part, you know, like maybe <laughs> our adulthood, but it was just like the feeling of saying the word sexy, you know, mm-hmm. that was liberating. And um, the humor and the laughter that probably was the orgasm you know? yes yeah or, i mean i guess that's not the best word to use to talk about a childhood memory but um yeah, that, no, yes. absolutely. yeah. 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 but totally. um i had a mm-hmm. i had a pleasure <laughs> with this experience and i look forward to next time for those who are listening thank you for being here with us today yeah. until next time hold on to your health your being and your mind be mindful bye bye